Welcome to Full Court Press. I'm your host, Liam Griffin. Jared, you're lightning. They knocked out my Bruins on route to the Stanley Cup final last year. Lucky for us, we wouldn't meet until the conference finals at the earliest. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty great. I mean, for your Bruins, I'm one thing I'm glad about is seeing a Taylor Hall's uh, playoff curse finally broken. I'm glad for him in that respect. Um, watching you guys with him being dynamic on the offensive, and then for my lightning, uh, injuries were powering through it. Every team is, but I'm really just psyched to have a, a break and a chance to unwind, watch the playoffs. College sports are taking their toll. I'm glad to finally get back into the NHL for I sure. Mean, yeah, I mean, you guys have had Hedman's been out, Stamkos has been out, Kucherov has been out. It's been rough for you guys, but we'll see what happens. All right, boys and girls, on the show today is the man with undoubtedly the best flow at Citrus TV, and it's and it's a common fact, this, the man Jared Johnston. <laughs> Never cut that hair. On today's episode, there is nothing like playoff hockey, so why not preview this year's Stanley Cup playoffs? We haven't covered that much hockey this season on the show, so why not start it out simple? It's been a crazy year. Connor McDavid has been putting on a show. The Florida Panthers are relevant again. That and so much more. Jared, what has stood out to you most from this campaign thus far? I mean, honestly, like it's tough for a lot of teams with the COVID craze year, really. Um, like I know, like league mandated vaccinations, trying to make sure that they could fit in travel. The Canadian North Division, that's crazy as well. I mean, the two examples you posed were, I mean for any hockey fan or any fringe fan are pretty exciting. At least the first one is. So look at McDavid. I mean, it's astronomical, his production, the way he's getting, I think he's 105 points in something like 53 games is insane. But I look at that and I'm just like, okay, it's, it's McDavid. I mean, it's only natural that he's the guy that's going to get the job done. I mean, that's, that's a tough scenario for your, for a player to be in. If it's kind of expected of him to, uh, be such a great player, but this is insane that he's really getting to levels where we're maybe going back to the 90s or 80s where you're just able to put up two or three points a game. And I think that's insane. The Panthers, I mean, for me, were always the dark horse team, but I didn't think they would sort out their goaltending. Now they have Chris Drieger, who I barely knew about, Spencer Knight and Bobrovsky. Um, and then I think that they could definitely sort that out Um as long as at least one of them stays healthy, to be honest. I think Drieger and um, Bobrovsky are the guys that will get the most reps. And then the Minnesota Wild, I'd say, bring in something fresh. That was probably one of the biggest surprises for me. Um, of course, I didn't expect their defense to be strong enough to protect their goaltending, but um, really cool to see them in the playoffs. So absolutely plenty of surprises to see going all around. Yeah, I'll go back to McDavid to start. Dare I say it, the production that McDavid has – brought to the table this year has been almost Gretzky-like. I'm willing to take it that far. And you talked about the Wild. That's another thing I completely did not see coming. They've been on a tear. Kudos to them. I would have expected a team like San Jose, who's had success in the past, to be in their shoes right now. But they're down in the doldrums right now. But I want to go up to the north of the border like you talked about. And to be honest, I mean, this may be biased since we, since the Bruins have knocked this team out in game seven in the first round three times in the past decade, but I can't believe the Tur I can't believe the Toronto Maple Leafs are playing at the level they're playing right now. Look, this team was a disappointment in the bubble last year. I mean, they lost the they lost in the I don't even is it called a play in? I don't even remember what it was called. 
Yeah, it would be the the five game yeah the five game playing round or whatever the, the that most was. The abysmal part is they they were the ones playing on home ice and yeah, they could barely and, get the job done. So. Yeah, and they got it done. They couldn't get it done against the Blue Jackets, who had gotten worse from the year before, and it showed in their series against the Lightning. But still, I mean, I I did not see this coming. Austin Matthews hasn't been quite on that McDavid esque tear, but he's still been on fire. John Tavares is finally starting to fit into his role in Toronto and. They're a dark horse to win the cup, in my opinion. More on that yeah, later. Yeah, I mean, they're yeah, they're a team that's really good on the offensive. I've never been big on the Maple Leafs bandwagon at all, so I'm somewhat skeptical, kind of like some of the things you floated around from past. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're definitely a team to watch out for for sure. And I mean, yeah, we get that Toronto Montreal first round matchup, which is going to be interesting. Two teams that I didn't expect to be good this year are about to go toe to toe. Oh, I'm looking at Montreal, and I'm psyched about seeing Montreal because oh, no, I love any no. team that's kind of an underdog for sure because they're a team that's – I wouldn't say that they have a great um, prospect pool in the sense that they have a lot of young players at their disposal, but, like, um, Kakanyemi's kind of okay. He's not He's not great, right? <laughs> but um, Cole Caulfield's obviously something you got to get excited about. Nick Suzuki, the product of the Pacioretty trade a few years ago to Vegas – it's probably one of the most exciting things I see out of the Canadians. Do they have enough? I don't know. No. <laughs> but um, and either way, I think wrong, they do pose a challenge. Don't get me respects. wrong. Carey Price is still one of the best goaltenders in hockey. And it pains me to say that, by the way. But they're not winning crap this year. I don't know. I, I think you have, I think you got to give them the benefit of the doubt here. They've been, like, honestly, I guess you could. I could give it to you in the sense that they're playing in the Canadian division. But that's an advantage for every team that's kind of going against the Calgary's, the Vancouver's, more than like four or five, six times in their schedule. So I'm... And then one of the X factors here is that there are seven teams in the Canadian division. Every other division has eight. So they're playing those teams a little bit more often than all the other divisions are playing their teams. I know that's kind of wordy, oh, yeah. but you get what I'm trying to say? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they didn't necessarily sneak in in the fact that I forgot who was behind them. I think it was Calgary by, like, four or five points. But I know other than that, like, really, they aren't – They I don't think they've had the best record coming into it. I believe, I recall, it was, they were 4-4-2 in their final 10. Meanwhile, the Jets, though, if you're looking at a strong team that's supposed to be strong, have been <laughs> abysmal as of late. Um, so the Canadian division, I guess, not too hot. Um, but if you're really looking at one team only, that's the Toronto Maple Leafs that we talked about, that's powerhouse. Edmonton's okay you take out mcdavid he's that team's done so but yeah. yeah toronto i mean against montreal you could give them the edge that's for sure but we'll get I'm more still in- excited to watch what they can do i'll say we'll get more into who we have coming out of the division later oh yeah absolutely i mean just looking at that i mean liam i guess if you want to flash back a little bit if there's one team that you kind of looked at before the season, said they were going to do horrendously bad or just, you know, not make the playoffs or whatever. What's a team that you had kind of down in the dumps and they exceeded expectations? I'm going to go with the Carolina Hurricanes. And I understand that this may be a homer take considering we have knocked them out of the playoffs each of the last two seasons. But, I mean, if you were going to tell me that they would take that much of a leap in the first, in the first, in this season, I, I would have called you crazy because – we swept them in 2019, and then 
We all know the me- the bubble was a big mess for the Boston Bruins, but we still managed to take out Carolina in five games, and we were not playing our best hockey. I'm sorry, that's just a fact. We weren't playing well. But that being said, Sebastian Ajo is on another level this season. Hard trophy sleeper, in my opinion. A little more on that later. But, I mean, I did not expect this to come. I honestly didn't. Well, yeah, I mean, I think one of the biggest things is... <clears throat> Because they won a, they won a few quick trades. I think they got Needle Rider in. Um, I'm blanking on their goaltender's name that came up through the minors that I've been watching for a few years now. But that's been something that I think was the biggest question mark for Carolina, whether it was the seasons in the past as well, where Peter Mrazek was, yeah, he was a starter in Detroit, but he was never really a reliable guy. He's not a guy that if he's in the free agent market that a team's going to say, oh, we're going to sign this guy and he's going to be our, our rock to win the cup. But, um, I mean, the, the core they got around him. Um, and then I'm, again, I'm still blanking on their goaltender's name, but, um, uh, yeah. Ned, Nedel, Nedeljkovic. Uh, I don't know how you pronounce it. Uh, Nedeljkovic. Yeah. Alex Nedeljkovic. He played for, um, the Charlotte checkers and the minors had like basically just went through his reps, kept going, going, going. And I mean, he's an answer. Morazic's obviously could step in as well, but I mean, I think the biggest thing is that they continue to adding those pieces, getting Vincent Trocheck or Vincent Trocheck as the center role. That's huge to get your top six center core locked in. So I think that's kind of been a steady process of growth for Carolina. I think it was just surprising that they made that big leaf, kind of similar to the Islanders, how they just went to the Eastern Conference Finals as well. Did um, not see that coming. Yeah, absolutely. But, so, um, so are they your surprise team too? They were not. Um, I still think that when I was looking at them, I think they have still had that quality. Um, I didn't, didn't think that they had they had overachieved, but I didn't think they would drop off tremendously. For me, I'll tell you why. I mean, maybe this might be a surprise. Maybe it won't be. I think it's Nashville because they they did sneak into the fourth spot. It's not like that's oh look at me. We just had a great uh, had a great showing in the regular season. Not really. It wasn't their best regular season. But then again, they haven't really had great seasons in the past ever since losing out to the Pens in 2017 in that Stanley Cup final. Ever since then, they've declined as far as their playoff uh, resume, lost in the second round in the next season, first round the year after, and they lost in the qualifying round the last season. They basically had a super strong downward trajectory with uh, David Poyle, the GM, kind of giving them some spotty trades, sending away Kevin Fiala, who's basically thrived in uh, Minnesota. So it was tough for me to give them credit to think, oh, maybe they'll rebound. Maybe they'll try to do something. But they got a late push to clinch uh, their playoff spot, which was really convincing for them. They went 7-2-1 and in their final games. And that gave them a four-point difference over Dallas, who basically choked that final playoff spot, the former defending champ- or defending uh, Western Conference champs. Yeah, they- talk about a team that fell off the rails. More on that later, the Dallas Stars. But... You know, for Nashville, I mean, I'm not an expert on that team, but one thing I do know is they have one of the best goaltenders in the game by the name of Pekka Rina. I mean, I know it's a video game, but I remember eighth grade I was playing NHL Legacy Edition. You remember that video game on on I the Xbox it, 360? I was playing against I one. Had, of, yeah, I was playing I had against, like 15, I believe. I was playing against one of my buddies who was playing NHL for the first time. And I couldn't score on Pecorine. Yes, it's a video game, but, I mean, does that speak volume? Maybe a little bit. I don't know. But 
ridiculousness aside, he's a great goaltender. And he's going to carry Nashville to the playoffs. And here's the interesting thing. Nashville and Carolina, our two teams, are destined to meet in the first round. How about that? Yeah, I think the big thing when we touch, I'm going to continue to touch on goaltending. Video games, I guess, for our generation might be a, a valid uh, measure of confidence there for sure, at least our Gen Zers as such. But um, yeah, Pecorino is he's going to be the vet that's going to get you there. Obviously, there are plenty of goaltenders that have gone the distance and haven't really gotten over the hump like Henrik Lundqvist, who's obviously had some complications with medical issues over uh, the past season. Pecorino is another guy who got to the finals. Couldn't get the job done, unfortunately. Um, oh, come on. Him, his, he's his, aging, offense didn't, he... his offense didn't give him any help in Game 6, though. They got blanked. To be fair, the Zebras uh, maybe uh, could have not blown the whistle before Colton Sissons hit that puck off the rebound. Um, that was that was a tough look. That's unfortunate when the rulebook says uh, you got to slash it out when the whistle is blown when it's obviously the puck was obviously in play. I think that's tough, though. You can't blame one goal on an entire collapse, but... Um, or, basically an, an inability to recover. But, um, yeah, he still has that ability even at his older age. Um, UC Saros, the Swiss-born goaltender, is also been taking reps to kind of split time, figure out who's going to settle in against which team. Also, Pecorino just has, I think, one of his biggest assets. It's just his size, his presence in front of net, which is something UC Saros doesn't have. I believe he's at 5'11 or 6 foot. But they both Wait, bring different you elements 5'11? to the cage. Aren't you 5'11"? I'm even shorter, and I'm not flexible enough to play goaltender <laughs> at all. Absolutely not. I I would uh, marvel at the fact that I could if I was able to. That's what I play in video games. I play goalie, but um, no, nah, never in real life. I, I'd stick to skating for sure. Well, let's move on to the flip side. So a team you had high expectations for entering the season is bound to have disappointed this year. We mentioned Dallas a little bit earlier in the show. Is it Dallas for you? For a team that disappointed, yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it wasn't that, like, I expected them to not make, get as far as they would in the playoffs if they were to even qualify. And I'm not just saying that because it's easy to give because they got so far, but I expected their skaters to at least continue in form. They have a solid core group there, but their main problem, and being a Lightning fan, I know this, um, is that their goaltending core will only last maybe one or two more seasons Bishop always gets injured. We know that. We've known the struggle. I think I want to say for four consecutive seasons, he'd get injured either during the first round or during the Stanley Cup final. Actually, against Chicago in 2015, um, he, I believe he fell on his elbow. I believe it was upper body. Anyways, game one or game two, he gets injured. Andre Vasilevsky has to come in for his first taste of playoff action. And that's something that's been a trend for Bishop in his career which means if you keep him as the starter, which they will, your backup has to be good, and that's Anton Hudobin, who is probably over the ripe age of 35, 36, if I'm not mistaken. So that that window for having that goaltending court is very slim, and that hurts the skaters' chances. So if they want to improve for next season, they need to move someone in there. But, yeah, I mean, again, another thing to count that kind of gives them a little bit of an out since they don't necessarily have, like, a lot of bona fide scorers, like when you think of an Ovechkin. Um, I'm stretching it when I say Stamkos because a lot of his goals come from the man up on the power play. Uh, more on that later. But, um, yeah, they didn't have Sagan for all but three games the entire season. So that's tough for a team that just made it to the Stanley Cup final. But in the end, 
it's no excuse at all. You got you got at least you got at least clinch. I mean, no excuse at all. And Anton Kudobin is turned thirty five a week ago, by the way. So you were right on that part point. And I mean, as much as it stings Tyler Sagan being out for the vast majority of the season, but it's not as if they don't have talent on the roster. I mean, this team made the Stanley Cup Finals last year, so. And I think it was a six-game series, so it's not as if they got swept either. But I'm going to take a completely new direction here. I mean, we're going to talk about a team that people were on the raves about entering the preseason, but fell off the grid completely, and that would be the Philadelphia Flyers. I mean, this team started out red hot in the bubble. They won all three games of the round robin to get the top seed, but... It was just all downhill from there, and that's the truth of the matter. And I understand they took the Isles to seven games, but they still lost that series. So expectations were high going into this season. People were talking about whether or not they could make the cup final, let alone win it. Now they don't even make the playoffs. Carter Hart, who people were claiming is the next great goaltender, has been anything but this season. It's disappointing. It really is. And as much as I dislike Philadelphia, they stunk it up this year. Plain and simple. There's not much else to be said. They underachieved, and it is off the back of Carter Hart, who people were saying would be the best next great goaltender. No, I was looking at that team, and I have a friend here who's a Flyers fan, but when I was watching them, or even like watching them during the regular season when they were able to get into that play-in round, I was never big on them. I still hate the Kevin Hayes contract, seven for seven. I believe it's seven years. Either way, that's what's more important is the cap hit at seven million. But, um... I didn't like when Chuck Fletcher came in as the GM because he's a guy that only made Minnesota older, more cap-heavy, and locked into deals that really puts them at a disadvantage when they need to move pieces in the future. I didn't like that look. He surprised me getting as far, having that team get as far as they did. And then they're trading piece for pieces like Justin Braun, Matt Neskinen at the back end. So I guess that's those are moves where you're like you want playoff experience. At the same time, I didn't have any expectations. I wasn't surprised when they missed out on the playoffs because I didn't think they were like a legitimate contending team to at least get in. I felt like they made a lot of rush moves at the deadline last year and ultimately just for older guys that are only going to get older <laughs> as the years go on. And, but also I feel like we have to give them at least a little bit of the benefit of the doubt because they were playing in the East Division – Two, uh, you had an Eastern Conference Finals team in that division, and then you had two of the other round-robin teams in Washington and Boston, and then the Pittsburgh Penguins are still pretty darn good. So you got to give them at least the benefit of the doubt there, veteran experience, beat out the young guns. But at the same time, I mean, I understand their division under normal circumstances isn't all that great, but at the same time, got to be better. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean... For speaking about things, I guess, if we're going to move on about something being better, what about the best for each specific team? The most valuable player, of course, the Hart Trophy is given to a player in the NHL that is regarded as the most valuable to their team, like I just said, not necessarily just the best player in the league. So with that, Nikita Kucherov took it home in 2019 for the Lightning. Um, But who gets it for you, at least, looking at this season? McDavid, McDavid, McDavid. I I think it's pretty simple. I mean, yeah, he's putting up a lot of points, but the Oilers are still pretty darn good. 
in large part because of him. I understand they also have Dreisaitl, but he runs off of McDavid. Yeah, that's absolutely fair. I mean, I was looking at that, and I was like, easily it has to be McDavid if we're being realistic, right? 104 points in 55 games. Last time we've probably seen that, we weren't even born. But um, if you want to have – I've got some players that I'd say are at least easily as valuable because um, I just looked it up for fun because I'm like, hey – we know McDavid's going to win it, but if we really want to get into some dark horses, some deep dives into like maybe players who might deserve it a bit more in their roles in their team, even considering McDavid might be the best player of our generation, if not ever, Kirill Kaprizov is going to win a Calder probably at 51 points, 55 games for the Wild, but he's the points leader for that team. And they're not there without him. I mean, they didn't really have any star-studded player. Zach Parise on long-term cap hit, injury problems, never really been the guy that the contract was supposed to measure up to be. Jonathan Huberto on the Cats have been amazing. For the past three seasons, he's gotten over a point per game, per game pace. He got 61 points at 55 games. Not just because I have him on my fantasy team, but he's criminally underrated on the wing. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. I'll give you that wing, one. Though. Yeah, he's huge. But I think one thing that might be overshadowed but, I mean, I'm sure we'll get to it later as we discuss our picks for um, divisional winners would be Sidney Crosby. I mean, their GM quit 20 games into the season. They've been ravaged with injuries. Um, Malkin only played half a season. And even then, re- re- reverse the roles. If Malkin's there and Crosby's not, that team doesn't they don't get make it. Doesn't get to, they don't even get to the playoffs, let alone the fact that Crosby led them to win their division with two goaltenders that don't really have that much experience in a back end that's still learning. I mean, you think of Dan Marino that signed four for four over the off season, who's a very young guy that's now in their core. Don't have a lot of guys. And it's just interesting to see how they've been able to adapt, work with it. But really, I mean, the guiding light has to have been Sidney Crosby. I mean, he won't win it just because McDavid has been astronomical, but I think those, some of those guys are maybe deserve at least a nod or a shout in that respect. Before we move on, I'll throw out one more dark horse to you. 29 goals, 40 assists in 53 games played, 69 points over 53 games. Brad Marchand. Yes, it's a home... No, yeah, I know, I know. It's a homer take. But you can't deny that he's been on another level this season. I know people know him for being the rough, tough rat guy on the Bruins. But at the same time, he's unbelievably talented. You can't deny that. Oh, no, I... I'd absolutely agree with the fact that he's very talented at licking Ryan Callahan in 2018. But, um, no, like, in a, on a serious note, absolutely. Like, if he was on my team, I maybe I wouldn't like the slew foots and stuff. I don't think that's fair. But, like, as far as his ability as a skill player, being, like, a menace against every team, if, he, if he's on your team, you're not complaining, right? And he's just a force out there on the wing. Basically just really dynamic, gets the job done in any respect. I mean... Yeah, I give him credit, absolutely. And um, I will say that's fair that for sure. I don't appreciate the looking, though. I will say that. Love him on the ice, but can't appreciate that. But in such a hectic league, especially this year of all years, it's never easy to predict an MVP, but it is always easy to podcast with Anchor. Okay, we're going to start breaking down each division and naming an X factor in all four of them. Let's start with the Central. The Carolina Hurricanes, Florida Panthers, Jared's reigning champion, Tampa Bay Lightning, and the Nashville Predators will represent the division in this year's playoffs. 
Now, I have a feeling I know what team this player is coming from, but who's your X Factor from the Central, Jared? Oh, this is all, all legitimate facts. No bias here at all. But um, even on one of the best teams in the league the last couple of years, I'm picking, <laughs> I think your X Factor for the Tampa Bay lining has to be Andre Vasilevsky. And I think he's still slept on, and it's absurd in my opinion. Especially during this season, if he buckled during the regular season or buckles during the playoffs, doesn't perform up to his standards, which are at a very high level, it's all over for Tampa. I mean, their hopes are hanging by a thread. They've had guys out for parts of the season, the entire season, and basically their full lineup is returning, but it's kind of misleading for people from afar. Because I think the only player that's really going to be fully healthy is going to be Nikita Kucherov, who's been getting reps for quite a while now. But our press guys in Tampa know that MVP basically, I mean, we've seen that without Victor Hedman on defense on the back end, picking up 30 minutes a game, they're lost without him. And he will need a surgery at the end of the season. So he's been playing injured. His plus minus has been very poor as of late. And that's probably a part of a reason, whatever it may be. But um, so he's going to be uh, haggling around there. I mean, another player is Stamkos got injured. He'll come back, and he'll be bound to get injured again. I've never been his biggest supporter ever since those injuries. I was basically there when he broke his leg on the post. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm just a critic of the unfortunate truth that he'll never really last come playoff time. And it, it pains me to say it, that the captain of your organization can uh, that's been there serving your community and has been a huge part of, like, any fan growing up. But, um, yeah, it's just... I just think that in the end, if you're looking at a guy that has to be there as a goal scorer come playoff time, I mean, I don't think he'll be 100%. I mean, you could argue that he hasn't been since he broke his leg. Then I believe he broke his other leg. Then he tore his MCL. Then he tore his uh, UCL, something crazy like that. He, he's He's been through a lot. But um, another player, I guess you got to look at adding a fourth uh, is McDonough, who's set to be back for the first game. I mean, regardless, you can that these guys have been knocked out and they're going to have to play big minutes but they're going to be hurting they're not going to be at their best and with that Vasilevsky's always been a rock at this side I mean Point, Kalorn, Sorelli and Sergachev are probably going to be the guys that step up around him but then again if you throw any goaltender in the league in his position I will say that in the league I think the Lightning would be destroyed by the Panthers and I'll die by that sword so he gives them a chance a fighting chance in my opinion I think the Panthers do have an advantage heading into this series. Um, but if the Lightning do advance and try to get as far as they did last season, they could all be by Vasilevsky. Stamkos and Kucherov hurt. My guy's from your team too, but it's not Vasilevsky. You take a look at who they need to step up because we don't think Stamkos and Kucherov are going to be at 100%. So who's the next man up for the Lightning forwards? Braden Point who had two overtime winners in, against Columbus last season. I mean, 23 goals, 25 assists over a full 56 games this season. That led the team in goals and points. Hedman had a few more assists, but that's okay. I mean, yeah, the goaltender's important, but they were, in my opinion, when Ben Bishop was healthy, they were just fine without him. I understand they didn't win a Stanley Cup, but the, the chips just didn't fall their way. They fell their way last year with Vasilevsky at the helm. And, I mean... How can, how can the answer not be a forward here, considering the depth issues they're dealing with without Stamkos and Kucherov, two of the best scoring forwards in hockey? So, who do you need to step up? Braden Point. 
postseason hero last year. It's time for him to be one again this year. Let me offer uh, this as a rebuttal. Real quick, I guess, on point. Yeah, absolutely. He's a fantastic player. Everyone loves him in Tampa as well. Um, he was, I think he got off-season hip surgery after winning the Cup, so he's just a warrior that back there. Um, but um, my rebuttal is um, look at Andre Vasilevsky. When he was out for the season, for probably a middle portion of the season, he was out for 16 straight games. Louis Domingue was the backup then. Now he is an AHL backup, I believe, or a starter. I was never big on Domingue. Fans liked him. Um, he went either 15-0-1 or 16-0 during that span, I want to say, in 2017 or 2018. And the thing is, though, he conceded at least, like, 30 goals, 40 goals. He had a 4.5 goals against average, but if- and the team was outscoring teams Every single you said game. they went fifteen zero and one. That that just furthers my point. Yeah, but I'm saying that at this point they don't have the manpower to outscore teams at the moment. You see Stamkos last season come into the game, <laughs> take a shot, tear his core, his abdominal muscle, and leave for the rest of the playoffs. He's going to be like that again. Kucherov, I think it's you. In a way, you can't really know for any of these guys. But for Lightning fans, looking at Vasilevsky, I mean, he's been a godsend, really. I don't think that they make it without him. I'm just a big – I guess you could say I'm just a little bit of a biased Vasilevsky fan. Yeah, you seem, like, you seem like a big Vasilevsky guy, dude. He's, he's better than anyone in the league. I mean, he's just underrated in the fact that if you watch him for a game and his movement and – the way he commands the cage and is able to make saves around guys, basically because we're able to score so much and he has to pick it up on the back end. But I believe that in this playoff um, year, I think that he'll be at an even more of a disadvantage and he'll have to face the brunt of the shots. I don't think the Lightning are as big as a favorite as they were last season. And that's like basically my take on it. But I'm, I guess you could say your take is absolutely valid, maybe even more so than mine. Point is absolutely essential down the middle. I mean, when you talk about a pure center for the Lightning, Stamkos is supposed to be there, right? But, but he's not. Point's been the number one guy for the better part of two or three seasons as a center. So, absolutely. But um, just bringing it on out of the East, um, Pittsburgh Penguins, Washington Capitals, the Islanders, and Liam, of course, your Boston Bruins claim the four spots in the East. Um, I know what your response is going to be, but who's the X Factor? Are you ready to get surprised? Um, yeah, any day. Let's go. Uh, my response comes from not only not the Bruins, but the team they're going up against. My response is from the Washington Capitals. And it's not Alex Ovechkin. It's his line mates, Backstrom and Oshie. Here's why. First of all, TJ Oshie, that hat trick, first game after his father passed, miraculous. Kudos to you. Especially with everything else that was going on that game. That was that was nuts. But, uh, yeah, so I think it's knowing what Bruce Cassidy likes to do, I think it's very clear that the Bruins are going to do everything in their power to shut down Ovechkin, and rightfully so. So who are they going to need to step up? Nicholas Backstrom and P.J. Oshie. I hope it doesn't happen. I really do. But, I I mean, especially with Char on the Capitals, I know that the series is going to be an absolute dog fight. I know... They're going to try to shut down Ovechkin. 
or we're going to try to shut down Ovechkin. They're going to try to shut down the perfection line. We're going to need to rely on guys like Krejci and Hall and Coyle to step up. So that's why I think Backstrom and Oshie need to step up. And if you want to go a little bit further down, guys like Kuznetsov, Eller, and unfortunately Tom Wilson, who shouldn't be in the NHL, but that's a discussion for another time. So just in general, Washington needs their secondary scores to step up. Yeah, I think that's absolutely fair. I mean, I guess to give a quick shout out to Tom Wilson, absolutely. <clears throat> that should be affirmative that um, he has pretty much basically hit people, hurt people, injured people in any which way with complete disregard for their safety. And then NHLPA has absolutely no problem with it. So, I mean, that's unfortunate. That's a tangent for anyone to go on for hours. But um, yeah, for Washington, I feel like even though I believe they're the second seed um, in that division, I do think that Boston's a stronger group heading into it. Um, no, we're coming. At, we're coming in hot. I look, yeah, looking at your side coming in with with. Um, I mean, I guess I mentioned at the top of the show. I like seeing how Taylor Hall has kind of basically turned it around completely. Uh, I think he has fourteen points in sixteen games, but um, and it's plus minus. He made a said plus fifteen, and he was a. Minus 21, I want to say, in Buffalo, if not more. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's a great thing to look at. But for me, when I'm looking at uh, basically all the teams in that division, and I've already mentioned Crosby, obviously, with the heart conversation, and it feels like a McDavid complex saying it, but they really need him to step up in either way. I mean, he's always going to be there. But, like, they don't have anyone else in that respect. I mean, I know they have Jake Gensel. they got Jason Zucker as a secondary scorer. Um, Evgeny Malkin's, of course, going to line up as that second center. Kasperi Kapanen was traded back to the Penguins. But, um, honestly, I think it's just a really simple answer for me that they straggled to the top of the division. They were able to secure that first seed, and they don't. I don't see them going anywhere if he gets injured or he just doesn't show up or anything in that respect. But, um, especially against an Islanders side that's really defensive, really dead set in a system and trying to trap the opposition in the neutral zone. I think that he will be essential, at least in controlling play, winning those face-offs and cycling the puck around in the offensive zone to tire down and wear down that defense. Cause that's really the only way you're going to break through, um, an Isles defense that's really strong uh, down the center, collapsing in their own zone. Yeah, well, representing the West Division this year are the Vegas Golden Knights, Colorado Avalanche, Minnesota Wild, and St. Louis Blues. Now, Jared, I really like the talent at the top of this division. Who do you like here? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> again, I think it's simple. you you got to like the Avs, right? But then again, they do have the uh, President's Trophy curse. But regardless, I'm tapping them because – you just can't say enough about their top line. I mean, we say this every year. Anyone who's seen the production coming out of those guys, like uh, McKinnon, been watching him since he came out of Halifax because obviously I, when I was watching Drew and being drafted by the Lightning, Mac was obviously his line mate. And he's been electric and consistent playmaker that we were hoping for with Drew and obviously uh, that guy has moved on to uh, Montreal. He's sitting out at the, right now due to a personal reason. So, um, Hope he uh, comes back strong with that. But um, McKinnon, on the other hand, 65 points, 48 games. And then you move on to him from him. Uh, Rannon, and I think he's a point above him on their team stats. Linus Gog's right behind him. And then Burakovsky, I think 
is an unsung hero in that respect that he's got 44 points and it's tremendous rebound from his struggles with the caps and Kale McCarr is just <laughs> outstanding what more can you say about the about uh, the former UMass defender there he's basically came into the, the team last season and stepped into a role and flourished and I think that that top line alone obviously makes them a tremendous team but you look at Burakovsky and then Kadri uh, winning draws and on that second line as well has helped them be an even more complete team. Obviously it's reflected in that regular season tally. Um, I got to like it. I mean, what do you think though? I mean, yeah, we can talk all we want about the Colorado's top line because they rightfully so they're pretty darn good, but I'm going to go with someone from Vegas here that I think needs to step up and that's Max Pacioretty, Mark Stone. And, Basically, the entirety of the Vegas top line. I'm blanking on who their top line center is. We can try and figure that out. I'm pretty sure it's Marshall Salt. Yes, it is. So, yeah, Pacioretty, Marshall Salt, Stone need to step up because they're going against. I have my doubts about it, but you could make the case that Colorado's top line is the best in hockey. You know why I have my doubts about it because we have the perfection line in Boston. But that being said, these three guys, they're going to need to step up and they're going to need to step up big. That's why they are my X Factor in the West Division. If I'm being totally honest, I think that the West Division is just Vegas and Colorado. I don't think Minnesota or St. Louis stands a chance. That may be a bit of a hot take, considering how wonky the NHL playoffs have been in the past. But, hey, who knows? That's what, So, yeah, Colorado's top line is that good to where my X Factor is the entire first line of the Vegas Golden Knights. Oh, yeah, that's... <laughs> That's going to be a huge test for them, even considering the fact that Vegas, ever since they came into the league, has obviously established themselves as a perennial contender. But um, bit out of nowhere, work, but hey. they've got work. They've got their work cut out for them I, in the sense that it's, I don't know how Seattle's going to do with their draft rules. But Vegas had some pretty cushy uh, draft rules. Um, I believe they got like five or six picks from the Lightning for. We had con- gave them compensatory picks so that they wouldn't pick two players you probably don't know, Slater Cuckoo and Jake Dalchin. Uh, I'm not saying I've heard of them. Slater Cuckoo is playing for Chicago. So like, that, that's, quite a a last, those... that's quite a last name, by the way. Yeah, it's, it's spelled K-O-E-K-K-O-E-K. I used to say Kokoek when I was playing video games. But, um, yeah, he's from Canada, surprisingly. But, um, that's just an example of how, I guess, Vegas established their dominance to be able to get so many draft picks and have such a deep, basically, pool so early in their existence. Yeah, I, th- I think it's ex- going to be interesting with Seattle coming into the league next year. Oh, yeah. I Do mean, I expect them to replicate I, what Vegas did? Absolutely not, but I'll be interested to see how competitive they are. Yeah, like, if you give them the same rules and, like, the teams enact kind of the same behaviors, I still wouldn't expect them to get to the finals of the Stanley Cup. The thing is, though, that teams are probably going to be a lot more wary of giving up picks for keeping players. They might look at their future and say, hey, maybe it's uh, not a bad thing if I give up a 28-year-old that's maybe a top-six guy, but I get to keep my two prospects here that maybe step into the league one or two years from now. I mean, that's that was kind of the give or take with the opportunity cost that Vegas was able to take advantage of. But um, finally, I guess let's venture across the border we briefly touched on this North division in Canada that unlike the rest of this team, since there's currently 31 in the entire league, 
There are seven teams in this division. It's got the Maple Leafs, Oilers, Winnipeg Jets, and Canadiens fighting. And which one are you booing? All of them? Montreal. Of them? Montreal. But which team uh you think uh needs to make the biggest impact or player, I guess, in that respect? Yeah, my you can also player... go on about Montreal too, because it's gotta be interesting. When we did our NHL playoff preview last year, before I had the privilege of meeting you, I touched on this guy a lot as a big X factor. The goaltender for the Edmonton Oilers, Mike Smith. Look, we know what Edmonton's offense can do with McDavid and Dreisaitl and them. We know how powerful they are. Their goaltending, however, I'm more skeptical about. I I don't believe in them as much as I do that offense. And it showed last year. I mean, they couldn't even make it out of the first round of the playoffs in the Western Conference. Excuse me, the qualifying round. I guess that was technically considered the first round. So, that being said, Mike Smith has to step up. He was not good in the qualifying round at all last year. On home ice, by the way, because the Western Conference bubble was in Edmonton. So, he's got to step up. Because this offense has Stanley Cup potential. Mike Smith has to show it. Yeah, so both teams lost on home ice that were uh, hosting in the bubble. But um, I say I have my uh, fair share of experience with uh, Mike Smith because... He was a goalie for uh, the Lightning during our, I want to say, probably some of our worst years, maybe, I want to say 2008, 2010. If not, it's the period after that. Um, Yeah, probably 28 through like 2010-ish, because in 2011, we got 42-year-old Dwayne Rollison to uh, start and take us to the Eastern Conference Finals. But um, We lost in game game seven to guess who? I want to say it was the Boston Bruins. It was the Boston Bruins. And I understand you've beaten us two times in the last three years in the playoffs, but, hey, gotta, I got I to get a shot in where I can. Yeah, I mean, I, we signed, like, a two-year contract in the other year. It was also a game seven, but this time it was in the, uh, I want to say it was the second round. And we were playing the Capitals. We lost 1-0 in that. But um, aside from that, yeah, Mike Smith was a guy that, really kind of came out of nowhere in the respect that he was starting on the worst team in the league when we were basically, yeah, we were utter garbage at that point. I mean, we had Stamkos and Hedman selected by then, but still, we were we were awful. They weren't really slotted into the league. Um, but, yeah, I mean, seeing him going to Arizona, and then I believe he went to another team before he went to Edmonton. But, yeah, I mean, he's played pretty well. But again, it's kind of like a situation like with a Peter Mrazek type, whether it was in Detroit or early days in Carolina, that, yeah, he's capable, but is he going to be more than just reliable in front of net for that team? No. And on top of that, their defense is not very strong at all. I mean, Darnell Nurse is very okay, but he should be a, maybe like a sixth sixth guy on a really good team. But um. Yeah, I mean, that's tough for them. I mean, their offense is going to be amazing. Do their goal, Does their goaltender uh, step it up? I don't think so. And then they got Miko Koskin, and he was supposed to be a starter backing him up. He wouldn't step in and do the job either. But for me, I mean, I know you were, you were uh, booing this earlier, but um, <laughs> going to go for it. Uh, I, I like Montreal. It's a weird pick. I'm going to spice things up a little bit. They're going against Toronto as the fourth seed against the divisional winners. And I like it because I think they can keep rolling with the young guns. 
I talked about Suzuki earlier being a product that that patch already trade, which is a tough look when basically like a 20 or 21 year old guy kind of slots in your top six because you don't have anyone better. But he's just been getting better every game, 41 points in 56 games, getting in on draws. And for me, why I like it is because this group reminds me of Vancouver last season. But do I think they can make it to the next round? Get like past the Maple Leafs, I guess, and even further? It's a very tough ask. I'd be bold if Carey Price does step up. And again, I like Montreal, but their X factor um, within, including all of their young guns, has to be Cole Caulfield because Montreal spreads out the scoring. And again, he's a rookie who's barely played in the regular season just out of college. So it's not like you're expecting this guy to uh, win a con Smythe for you if you even get that far. But um, Montreal is a team that relies on depth scoring, doesn't really have, even in the days of having Pacioretty, who wouldn't maybe even break past the mid-30s in goals. A team that likes to spread out their depth scoring doesn't really have one specific guy like maybe Ovechkin or Stamkos in his heyday. So when I'm looking at that, Cole Caulfield has proven he at least get on the short score sheet. Um, I think he has to at least try to pick up the load, and that would be advantageous for uh, them against Toronto team. But as long as he doesn't get by or injured again, he's like five foot seven. He's a young guy, not hey, as built as the rest of the vets. Oh, hey, he's about as tall. Um, he's about as tall as you. I, I, I'd say he's probably got about a, a good uh, quarter of an inch on me. I'd say so, but um, definitely uh more prepared to play in the NHL but um yeah I mean him along with those young guys they got to rally around each other I mean it's a good thing for them because they don't really have a lot of pressure being in that position but at the same time again like I said reminds me of Vancouver I want to see them succeed it's a tough ask against the Maple Leafs though yeah I won't deny that Cole Caulfield has been pretty good I mean the kid's only 20 years old so we got to give him credit for that his birthday January 2nd 2001 he can't even drink yet in america that's how young he is so but i mean i know it's a homer take but this is a tough matchup montreal versus toronto because i don't believe in either team and i dislike <laughs> both of them so i really don't have much to add here so i guess we'll move on time for the history lesson boys and girls we honor great achievements of the past in the coming week 48 years ago today, May 15th, legendary pitcher Nolan Ryan threw his first no-hitter while pitching for the Angels. We love Nolan Ryan on the show. We talk about him a lot. He threw seven no-hitters in his career, three more than any other pitcher. And 23 years ago, on Monday, May 17th, Yankees pitcher David Wells tossed a perfect game in the Bronx. It was his 15th perfect game in Major League history. There hasn't been one thrown since 2012. However, there were three that year. Yeah, and there have been four enough hitters this year. We may get one. We may get another perfecto. 37 yeah. years ago, Wednesday, May 19th, Wayne Gretzky scored twice to lift the Edmonton Oilers over the New York Islanders 5-2 in Game 5 of the Cup Final. That also secured the series for Edmonton, and that was their first Stanley Cup. That was the first of four Cups that hockey's GOAT won for Edmonton. And then 40 years ago on Friday, May 21st, the New York Islanders that Liam just mentioned, uh, finished off the North Stars 4-1 to in the Stanley Cup Final. It was their second straight Cup win. Those Isles were led, were led by uh, Mike Bossy, great winger who, like so many, had his career cut short due to injury. Yeah, we talked about Bossy a lot here, too. Okay, almost over, so it's time for who you got. Simple. Division champs, then we'll do who wins it all. 
Central. Jared, don't be biased here. Who you got? So I'm going to have the bias, but I'm going to eliminate some of it with something called a contingency. The Lightning beat the Panthers, and I'm going to back them. But if the Panthers prove their worth, I like them over the Preds especially. And then I think they have the talent to edge the Hurricanes because uh, the Canes will probably uh, beat the Preds. And that's pretty simple response for me. I'm basically Team Florida all the way in the uh, East Division. I've got or Central rather. Jared, come on now. I've got the Carolina Hurricanes because they've taken their game to a whole nother level this season and you know they don't have to face their kryptonite until the East the comp until the semifinals the absolute latest in the Boston Bruins. So I've got Carolina. Well sure, yeah. I think a real quick uh response to add would be I mean, looking at the Panthers they were leading the league at some point during the season. During the middle of the season, then Aaron Ekblad gets injured. And that's their number one go-to guy. Yeah, he's not necessarily like your uh, Eric Carlson of old, among other players. But um, I do think that they still had resilience to be able to get to that position. And they still have the absolute offensive talent to prove their worth. Um, so that's that's myself, at least, in uh, Team Florida. But uh, let's head back to the East again. And Liam... I don't want any bias from you either, so what you got? I can back it up. I do have the Bruins, but I can back it up. So, Pittsburgh, we won 5 of 8 against them. We won the season series. The Islanders, ever since Taylor Hall came to Boston, we are 3-0 against them. And the Capitals, the eighth game doesn't count since the vast majority of our players were resting, but we took 4 of 7 before then, and one of those losses, I think we only had one of our top six defenders playing. Excuse, maybe a little bit, but still, you can't deny. And I understand it's a homer take, but that second round exit against you guys last year left a bitter feeling in our tongues. So I think they're going to come out hot, take the East Division by storm and take it. Yeah, I know it's yeah, a homer it's, take. I know it's a homer I'd say, take. I'd say it's a fair take. I, I, yeah, the only thing I'm going to offer, I mean, I think a great re- recovery for you guys was the fact that you're losing a lot of your core, at least one of your... I guess debatably top two guys in Char, I would say that you have some other defenders that would probably move in and take up more of a <clears throat> role against the speedy players of the league. But um, for myself, picking the Islanders, no question for me. And that's kind of a boring take, I guess, in that respect. But I look at the Pens, and I think they aren't legit because I think their defensive unit still has a lot of growing pains to sort out. And again, their goaltending has been kind of shaky in the sense that, of course, Tristan Jari was um, an NHL All-Star. They've still kind of gone back and forth between him and Casey DeSmith. And the Caps are ahead of Boston in seeding, but I, I think your, your team's going to better them pretty much. So I guess with all of that, it's going to be the Islanders versus Boston. And when I'm looking at that matchup, I simply think I look at Trotz's coaching resume and what he did with this group last season that's Pretty much astonishing. I had no idea that they would be there because of his defensive system and the way he's able to uh, basically collapse, basically bore you to death while you're watching a game, but um, force players into pressure and win pucks in the neutral zone and get going on the offensive with some of the good guys that they have that maybe you could say are underrated, like uh, Tito Bavillier and uh, Matthew Barzal, who's, I guess you could say, more known player in the league. But uh, either way, they've all bought into his system. And I think it's enough for him to at least get to a conference final. Might be tough, though. I 
go either way, I guess, Boston or the Islanders, but I want to pick the Islanders because I think they have the ability to do it. You don't think we do? Tough, man. But we can put our bias aside for a little bit. Out West, again, I love that division's talent. Who comes out on top? Yeah, I want to say the Avs because I had talked about it earlier. But uh, I'm going to pick a team that I've glossed over that does not have the President's Trophy curse. Minnesota Wild. No I'm just thinking this. Yes, way. Minnesota Wild. Minnesota has Vegas in its way. And basically, that's the team that lost the tiebreaker in points for the President's Trophy. So they're pretty uh, reputable side that's probably a force to be reckoned with. And ever since Vegas entered the league, they've been outstanding. But I think Minnesota's biggest asset from a psychological standpoint is they have all these young guys with nothing to lose. I mean, it's kind of crazy after um, it basically went uh, without a captain after, I believe it was Miku Kovey. I think Miku Kovey played for them. Uh, left and uh, they named Jared Spurgeon the captain. They really have not necessarily lost their identity, but they kind of rebuilt most of their things uh, from the ground up, with the exception of uh, Ryan Suter and, of course, Zach Parise's contracts. But um, I just think with all these young guys coming into the lineup, they basically can feel out the competition, play as free as they want. And I think that Vegas has the burden of expectations to finish and win the Stanley Cup Finals. They have goaltenders that they need to win with now. And ever since they established that reputation coming into the league, they need to do that. So I just went for a psychological, not statistical approach here, simply for fun, I guess. No way for the Blues beat the Avalanche. So I see the Wild facing Colorado in a divisional battle. And I just want to keep it interesting and notch the Wild as the underdog because I do think they have the talent with a lot of young guys coming to their lineup. Can they do it? It's not necessarily realistic, but I do think that there's more than just a slight chance because their backs aren't really against the wall. They're just free-flowing. They can play however they like with whatever they want while the Avs basically have all the pressure in the world after uh, winning the President's Trophy. Do you remember the last time we're up, the Wild were in the playoffs? I can't say I would. I mean, There you <laughs> go. There you go. That's why they're not going to win the first round. I mean, yeah, they don't have the experience needed. Look. Colorado has come up short each of the past two postseasons, and Vegas is coming off of a trip to the conference finals. So I think that plays at least a little bit. So that being said, I've got Colorado. They've come up short each of the past two years. I think they're going to come out with a vengeance. And like I said earlier, I think it's Colorado and Vegas and then everybody else in this division. So if we don't get Colorado-Vegas in round two, I will be blown away. So, but And I just have Colorado winning that one. I just believe in them more. Yeah, that's absolutely fair. I'm, I'm keeping it interesting because I do think Minnesota has the talent to do so. It's not necessarily realistic, but it would be uh, very riveting to see if it were possible. But um, finally, I guess, let's look at our friends north of the border. border. Um, who will claim the throne as the uh, best team in Canada, you think, Liam? I've got Edmonton. Look, Toronto, maybe they'll get past Montreal, but... They're renowned postseason chokers. And that takes Montreal out of the picture. And as for Edmonton and Winnipeg, who it really comes down to, I just like the Oilers more. I mean, I'm sure they have a bitter taste in their tongue after failing to even get out of the qualifying round last year. And I think McDavid is just going to come into these playoffs with an absolute vengeance. I mean, I don't I don't know if it's going to be like what Tampa Bay showed last year, but I think he's going to come in red hot 
angry, ready to just take the league by storm. I've got Edmonton winning the North Division. Yeah, I mean, I said earlier I'm big on the Habs, and I do not send them to the Iron Throne. It's not realistic for me. But like you said, McDavid's going to bring the Oilers as far as he can, and he's got Dreitzaddle with him. He's basically producing at a similar rate. And McDavid, that heart, basically he's going to be the eventual heart trophy winner for a reason because he's putting this team on his back. They don't necessarily uh, contribute on the offensive end with the rest of his supporting cast. But then when I'm looking at the Leafs, that would be another contender to try to go up against them. It's ironic for me to say this because the Lightning are basically over the cap right now. I'm considering the fact that they're using kind of like a playoff loophole to uh, bring back Kucherov and Stamkos to be like millions over the cap. But um, <laughs> I wasn't convinced by Dubas uh, overcompensating uh, his top six forwards. I think their defense is still subpar. And when you look at that, the fans used to blame everything on Frederick Anderson, who was one of their most capable uh, starters in recent memory. And now he gets injured and Campbell starts out, makes it, uh, I think he made NHL history with his record going 10 or 11 and 0 in his first however many games to start the season if I'm not mistaken. But I think it's sorry out because I still think that their team doesn't necessarily have the grid to withstand um, a playoff challenge, nor the defensive uh, support to play in front of what we'd assume would be Jack Campbell, who's never really been tested in the playoffs. And so they aren't convincing enough for me, but I think the Habs could face the Oilers. That's my big upset pick that the Habs will beat Toronto. Then McDavid, will overpower Mark Bergevin's biceps to uh, push his team to a first conference final since 2006. I mean, I'm in agreement with you that uh, McDavid can get the job done. Be a very tough for him on that Oilers side that doesn't have a lot of offensive uh, scoring from the bottom uh, nine, I guess, bottom six, if you want to say that as well. But um, I think he can get the job done. Uh, yeah, so it seems like we're in agreement there. But here's the moment you've all been waiting for. We have four teams left each. Jared, I believe, has the Florida Panthers, New York Islanders, Minnesota Wild, and Edmonton Oilers. I have the Carolina Hurricanes, Boston Bruins, Colorado Avalanche, and Edmonton Oilers left. Jared, who will hoist the Stanley Cup? You see, yeah, if uh, if I if, if I was able to uh, if I was being very biased and uh, I had picked the Lightning. I would have been yelling back to back to back for Pat Maroon. But um, looking at it from a neutral perspective, do I see the Panthers succeeding? They don't really have experience in the playoffs at all. And the Wild are also young. That it's unimaginable, that, unimaginable for me if they keep uh, scoring and getting to the uh, what is essentially a semifinals in their conference final draws. I don't think they keep running. And the Oilers are in the same scenario as the Panthers for me where they don't really have that much experience. They do have McDavid, though, so that's an X factor. Does that get them as far as the finals? Absolutely, but I think that gets them in front of the Islanders. Now that those teams, of course, only Barry Trotz has uh, won the Cup and his side has Stanley Cup experience on the bench with Johnny Boychuk, who uh, unfortunately had some complications with his eyesight and was recommended to retire. But right now he's coaching on the bench with a lot more of um, a lot of experienced guys also playing for them as well getting to that Eastern Conference final. But um, I think they pick up where they left off and they grind their way to the Stanley Cup. And <laughs> we're here in Syracuse. I'm sure many Long Islanders uh, would be happy with this pick that we know. But um, 
with all my peculiar picks, I think this makes the most sense out of my Final Four, at least. Yeah, we know a lot of Long Islanders. Like, Gadamowitz, PJ Clark, I'm sure... Now, nah, PJ's a Rangers fan, but I'm sure Gadamowitz, Ben Spector would be jumping for joy if the Islanders win the Cup. But, as you know, I don't even have the Islanders in there, so I have to go a different direction, and here it is. Oh, Canada, we stand on guard for the, for the first time since 1993, a Canadian team will bring home the Stanley Cup when Connor McDavid carries the Edmonton Oilers to it. I mean, I just feel like this is different. They, they were, they got embarrassed last year, but I think it was the Chicago Blackhawks. Sorry, Ryan Nelson, but they got embarrassed. And, you know, I just I just think McDavid's going to come back with a storm. I really, really do. So, we stand on guard for the... Give me the Edmonton Oilers. First cup since 1990. They start a new dynasty. That's exactly what I was going to ask, Liam. When is the last time a Canadian team has won the cup? 93. the national anthem. So that 93. Is, that's fantastic. That'd be great for the game either way. But, um, I mean, there you have it, I guess. That's our Stanley Cup playoff predictions in the books. Jared Johnston here with the Islanders winning. Of course, Liam selecting the Edmonton Oilers for their first win in a while and for Canada's first win in a while. So uh, thanks for having me on. Yep. Thank you, Jared, for being my guest today. And thank you all for tuning in. Be sure to give this podcast a follow on Instagram at Full Court Press Podcast and on Twitter at Full CP Podcast. That's F-U-L-L-C-P Podcast. And if you're interested in being a guest, please DM the podcast or contact me. As always, please, please, please stay healthy, wash your hands, be safe, and be positive. Our next episode will actually be released on Tuesday as we've got another playoff for you for you, the NBA. Keep your eyes out for Tuesday's episode. It will be a fun one. We'll see you then.